You'll get your chance, smart guy. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag. But then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new So, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in hell. Hello, welcome back to Stacks Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. He is Matt Byrne on the board. S&P futures up 12, 7, down 1275. NSA futures down 44. We had kind of a wild day yesterday. Up, down, up, down. But then we didn't last. We didn't work down that much. As a matter of fact, we were mixed at the end of the day. So if you were a straddle seller yesterday and the... And the CPA, which I would not recommend to anybody, by the way. <laughs> uh, you were a big winner. So there. Um, what do you think of that, Matt Byrne? What do you think of that, Kevin? You were a winner if you were short to straddle. Uh, and, and there I was instead buying lottery tickets. Damn. Yeah, it was just, you know, you can you can turn, if you want, I wouldn't recommend it. You can you can turn uh, trading into a, a huge, you know, enterprise <laughs> if you want. I mean, not, I wouldn't recommend that. I'm more of an investor kind of guy, but uh, just saying, you know, you could do that. It was there for having, huh? Yeah, just, uh, you know, it was there for having. What, uh, what um, do you make of uh, all this stuff? There's another, another shooting at another campus. What is going on? The guy had no ties at all to the place. What's wrong with these people? Yeah. No ties at all. Man in his 40s. Um, and. Uh, I, I, unless there's been some report this morning, I have no idea what his motivation was. I guess he had a note with a couple other colleges' names scribbled down there, too. Uh, just saying. So, got a problem with college kids, huh? Uh, yes, I don't know. I, uh, um, I can oh, see. Oh, well, who's, who's, who has um, the biggest grievances against college kids? Probably Uber, Uber drivers where uh, people have yacked in his car on a, on a Friday night. Uh, I could do it, too. So I had a little bit of an interesting morning. I'm driving in minding my own business. There's like no traffic, and there's I pull up, and I'm in the left-hand lane. There's nobody coming the other way, and all of a sudden, I almost hit this guy. He turns right in front of me, and I'm like, make a left-hand turn from the lane next to me. How do you, how do you miss some big-ass suburban? So of course I give the guy a toot. Then he pulls over. You know he's all outraged, and he, of course he has no license on the car. And I'm thinking, here's a stolen car with you know God knows who inside with four guns. This is all I need. You know, I'm like, uh, is, is, I'm going to say, is there is there any police work at all, Kevin, around? Is there any any chance of any of these people getting stopped? There was a time in our lifetime where you couldn't you couldn't make it down the Dan Ryan, one or the other, without a without a license plate. 
Mm. Now, <clears throat> it's like, what chance do you give somebody a chance getting getting pulled over? Zero. Well, given how short we are on on police, um, I, 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 in a way, can understand that traffic uh, control is a low priority. Not that it has been a high priority any time recently, um, but that's sort of the uh, the uh, you know self made problem uh, by the uh, city. So you know what the heck. <laughs> you know? Um, but this is, this goes back to the you know the the broken windows type of philosophy. That you know, when you when you are really strict about everything, not just the small, you know, not just the big stuff, but the the small stuff, um, it tends to clean up everything because the first of all, that's how young people get started is with smaller crimes, um, and so you, uh, as, as Barney Fife used to say, you have to nip it in the bud. Yep. But in addition to that, um, you know, you are catching many of the same people, and you're preempting some of the. Uh, direction and we move away from that direction and we just tend to do this over time and uh, I assume sooner or later the lesson will be learned and uh, and we will be a little bit uh, more strict about criminals at some point in the future but I don't know when that point's going to hit. Well I, I think uh, did you hear my my, uh, my story uh, well everybody knows I went to a, a, a funeral well I think people listening I don't know I went to unfortunately I did a funeral this Saturday and uh, but as I'm starting to get like uh, Andy Rooney or something, I come out of every part meeting new people. I come out with like three stories. Uh, one of which uh, the young lady I hope will be on soon, um, talking about uh, her research stuff up at University of Minnesota and some big presentation she did in Stanford and and how it's all medical research and you know who 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 gets the jobs from where and are you a consultant from somebody and is any of the work yours and all that other kind of stuff and it's pretty fascinating how you know at an early age people uh are kind of doing work for free but i'll let i'll let her tell that story one of these days but the other two stories was uh one of the ladies we had uh, uh lunch with well, we went to the funeral lunch and uh really she's a lady that worked with audrey and her friend kathy at uh, one of the one, one of the liquor d- distributor places years ago a terrific lady and she was saying about how one of her friends, you know, she knows a lot of the football and basketball players, but one of her friends was married to a pro football player. And he wasn't a uh, big star, but he played, and he was on special teams and other stuff. And how the angst of every single game, you worry if the guy's going to come home kind of in one piece, and you wonder at the end of his career, you know, who are you going to be married to? Will the guy be able to walk? Will he be able to think? And it, I never really got that that's sort of a, a story from, you know, essentially the a friend of the lady's wife and, and how dangerous she thought the game was. And every time he went to play, and it's, you know, it's almost like, you know, the gladiators, are you going to come home in one piece? And uh, it really is something when you look at the Super Bowl and you look at people gambling on it. Does anybody give a crap about these people? I mean, I, I, you know, I, 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 mean, I don't know what you do, Kevin, but if I was... If it was me, I'd find a way to slow the game down a little bit, even if it was five, ten percent, uh, to where the injuries were less severe. And I don't think the I don't think the stuff like you know making sure somebody wears enough pads to where it's an extra two, two pounds on them or something, whatever it is, uh, or you know make sure the the I don't know, I don't know what you do, but the uh, 
I mean, somewhere along the line here, is everybody's entertainment worth that much? I mean, it was interesting to hear that side of the story. Well, it is interesting to hear that side of the story, and it is a side of the story that probably should be told more than it is. Uh, what I would say is that if you, if, uh, my my hypothesis anyway, that I think we should get a test is um, is maybe it is slow the game down, maybe it's speed the game up, and by that I mean make the field bigger, make the field bigger, and what that's going to do for you is it is going to make speed relatively more important. I mean, they're already fast. They're already freakishly fast. But uh, speed will be relatively more important compared to bulk. And uh, so you might start to get smaller but faster players, more smaller, faster players on the field. And when you start to do that, then the impact, the, the disparity of the people colliding will not be so great. Because when you're looking at a running back, for example, versus a... Uh, um, you know, a 210-pound running back and a, and a linebacker who weighs 250 <laughs> or 260, then, um, you know, those those collisions can't be good for the running back. Well, that, that's true. Uh, what the uh, – um, it's just – well, we'll leave that one go. The other one, I think, was more toward the other uh, – you know, what we were talking about, one of the guys, and I, I didn't talk to him <coughs> specifically, but I, I know a lot about him because uh, – Audrey's friend is his aunt, and uh, obviously she's a um, terrific, terrific lady, and been real tight with the family because the the kid's father died at a young age of cancer and whatever. It was a bad mm-hmm. thing, obviously a bad thing for yeah. the family. Terrific guy, but he uh, he's a, he's he's a Chicago policeman. He's trying to get in a fire department now, and he he thought that the police force was his dream job and his end job, and now it's he's like you know I got to get out of here. And, and the dude is, I don't know, he did two or three things in Iraq. He's a decorated sniper. We're not talking about some kind of weenie here. We're talking about a serious guy. And uh, he's like, I just, he's, he's been undercover. He's been drug stuff. This, I mean, he's been all the most dangerous stuff in the worst neighborhoods the kid's done since he's got on there, and now he just wants out. I Somehow, Kevin, we have to have some kind of leadership that gives these people, whether it's, if you're doing that kind of work, it's, it's you know, six weeks in it and then you're out for, and you're doing something else you're doing administrative stuff for a couple of weeks where you can kind of recover what i don't know i don't i don't know the answer kevin but i know that we need to try and find something and one of the and the solution isn't taking the brain drain and having people retire after you know when they're 50 and start paying them for the rest of their life either so somehow or another we have to maintain the, the knowledge de de-stress and somehow the society has to figure out. I mean, if you, the way that the press is, 90% of the people think the policemen are the problem. They're not the problem, for God's sake. The crooks are the problem. When, I mean, when, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get it, Kevin. And what, and, uh, what do you make of that case in uh, sort of on the same line that Lou was talking about last week, the, play, the case in, Air, in uh, Denver where the, the guy with the concealed carry permit, somebody stole his car? So he, he had a tracker on the car, and the police wanted to know part of chasing it, of course. And uh, so he he goes after the thing. There's a bunch of people in there. He says, give me, like, give me my car back. They start shooting at him, allegedly. He pulls out his gun, blasts away. And the kid in the, in the driver's seat's 12 years old. He kills that kid, and all the other guys scatter. So all the other guys even are. <clears throat> what, what kind of what kind of case is that going to be in court, for God's sake? I mean... 
Well, and, and let's go back to what you originally brought up. You know, different different example, but you know, kind of an oddball theme. The shooter in uh, at Michigan State. The the thing that I have seen reported this morning is that he was. They just uh, randomly dropped a weapons charge on him. He, he probably shouldn't uh, should have been in jail. Mm. I uh, but, you, but, know, you know, we we have this whole thing where it, it is just. You know the the system is just so unfair that uh, that we have you know we we can't prosecute um, uh, you know we, we just can't prosecute these crimes because it's just not fair. It's a disproportionate impact um, uh, issue, and uh, and that's it's just misguided. Criminals, criminal. I don't care who he is. Well, I, th- I think um, I have my my view on this, and as you know, I'm not a I'm not a anti you know, I don't think you can be sort of anti-gun guy now because there's so many of them out there. You can't tell the next person not to have one. But I mean, you know my views, and and uh, it's at some point there's people that that, uh, that you know are very pro-gun, and I don't, I'm not pro-gun in the sense that if if nobody felt the need for one, the world would be a better place. I mean, I I, I don't I honestly believe that. Uh, however, right now the world doesn't really look like that, so I can't. I can't really get on the other side of that one, but the point, I guess, Kevin, is the <clears throat> the people who feel they have a right to shoot people in special circumstances or whatever it is have been carrying the day. Maybe, mainly, maybe because they have an amendment to the Constitution, it's red, right, or wrong. Who the hell knows? I don't know. But there's also a lot of people who feel they got a right to not get shot, and they, and they have a voice too. I mean, it's I mean, basic even, right? Uh, pardon me. Yeah, I mean, everybody feels like they have a right to not get shot. And uh, so, when you go down this, this this rat hole, the the middle ground seems to be that, and and the the gun lovers, for lack of a better term, <clears throat> are willing to go legally with this. Okay, we'll we'll have background checks. We'll do this. We'll that. We'll 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 grudgingly agree to that. But the fact is, Kevin, they don't agree to it. No, nobody ever agrees to take the that group. I mean, j- just like the military. Military, I'm not saying military people love guns. The military, how many cases, who was the guy a couple of years ago? You and, I, you and I were talking about on the show. The guy had, had how many how many convictions and whatever it was for spousal abuse and stuff in the military, and when they booted him out on a, on an honor, a dishonorable discharge, they never even kicked that information to the civilian courts, for lack of a better term. So when the guy went to get a gun, he had no problem getting it. And by the way, he shot somebody. I think the people who, who really are pro-gun, all these laws are just a bunch of crap to them. They, they don't... Well, they they don't don't or, or, no, that, that's not what I get from people who are, uh, are, are very vociferous about their uh, Second Amendment rights. Um, what I get is, you're, you, you, you're not enforcing the gun laws we have, and now you want to make more. Well, I, I get that. What I'm and, saying, and, is and the the ultimate solution is, well, we'll just take them away from everybody. Well, it, that that takes a hell of a lot of nerve. You won't protect me. You won't put. You won't jail people. You're going. You know. You you want lighter sentencing. You want. Uh, uh, you want to release people without bond. Uh, who, you know, who like the Michigan State uh, guy. Uh, you know, should should have a gun charge because there is law that would have prevented him. You know, that would have put him in jail. And, and instead, you won't protect me, and you won't let me protect myself. Oh, right, that's that's the crazy oh, part. Oh, right? stumping. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm with you on that. I, 
I guess what I'm saying is what you see, what we see right all along. If there's a theme this morning, the theme with me and my traffic almost altercation, and and the laws get to the point, and I go back to my class at the University of Chicago all the time, that the chances, our laws are plenty strong enough. Just the enforcement is so so piss poor that nobody even thinks about it. You you have to you have to want. In many cases, Tom, intentionally poor. Yes, mm-hmm. you have you have to want to be convicted. I mean, you ha- you have to absolutely want to be convicted. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, the, the stories as you as you go back and you remember these things, the stories in the in the Sun Times of all the people who were, had uh, suspended driver's license and they have they have a court date. How many how many of them drove to court? Seventy five percent or something. <laughs> they're, they're, par- they're parked in the in the court parking lot for God's sake, and nobody even nobody in the, yeah, yeah, they, they they get they get a fine for a suspended license, and then ask the judge, "Can can you validate my parking?" Yeah, but it's like, I mean, we're talking about I, I don't know I don't know where we're going with this. Where we have too many people in jail, and that but the whole thing is that this, I, I don't know, I don't know if you were around. Right? I told you a story about the two dudes uh, on Wednesday. You know, nobody needs to know, I guess, but. I meet with some attorneys and judges from the city, and it's a it's a great group. I mean, it's you get a you get a, a view of the world that's like t- totally different. You also get a view that God, you start talking about the market, they don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it's like they, they're they're locked into their world, just like I guess I'm locked into mine. Uh, but the, uh, the the one guy tells a story. This older Irish attorney, nice guy, and uh, this was a, you know it's a few years ago. I mean, not that many years ago, <laughs> and and he's he's got some uh, he, he's. Defending this guy, there's three people that, uh, and I must have robbed something. And the, and the one kid he's he's defending, they just pressed him into service as the driver, right? He didn't even he didn't really know one of the other guys, and like his fir- his first time out of the house. So the other two guys go in and, and do some robbery or something. They come out and I, anyway. So the the two guys are uh, they've got the bracelets on, and they're but they're on parole, you know, so they could be out with the bracelets. So everybody knows where they are. They're monitoring, and. Uh, so they're in court at, all day long. So they go to lunch. It's at 26th Street. So this attorney goes to lunch with the other attorney people. They always got a couple of assistants. And they, they're having lunch at this place. I guess there's a place they have lunch, 26th Street, or down there. And uh, the, the two guys with the brace walk by the window, and they wave to the attorney. And he goes, um, my, the guy I'm talking to says, by the way, are you two guys coming back? <laughs> the guy goes, well, I hope so. They never, they never show up. It was going bad for them in the morning. They don't show up for the afternoon session. They're gone. So they, they end up giving closing arguments with the guys, like, not there. And so the, the jury deliberates to midnight because they didn't want to stay. The judge said, well, you guys take any longer. I'm going to put you up in this, you know, motel. Where, where do you find a motel down by 20? I have no idea. There must be one someplace. They said, no, nah, we'll finish. Like, so midnight, midnight, this guy's... This guy's guy is found not guilty, which he thought he should have been. The other two guys are found guilty. They've never found him to this day. <laughs> it, it, meanwhile, the, the the court is so messed up. The guy goes and gets his car to parking lot at midnight at twenty six California, which is a that'd be a rough do on top of it. He says there's this very attractive blonde lady standing on the corner. He thinks I think she was on the jury, so I walk up to her and I go, "Hey, can I excuse me? Can I can I help you?" And she goes. I'm waiting for a bus or a cab. A cab. And the guy goes, 
there's no cabs here. <laughs> he goes, where do you live? She goes, I live in Lincoln Park. He goes, well, so do I. Would you mind a ride? She goes, no. <laughs> they, they didn't even tell the lady there's no buses or no cabs. We'll get you a, a we'll call a cab. Or, or, <laughs> Kevin, you, you couldn't write fiction like this. The two guys have never been seen or heard from again. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, these are stay. Hey, uh, if, if you uh, have you ever heard the term the uh, the Butterfield effect? I have, but refresh me. I have heard that. What is that? Uh, it, it's it's named after a, um, a guy who used to write for the New York Times, the uh, uh, named Fox Butterfield, and uh, he, he wrote a series of articles at one point, um, lamenting the uh, the high. Um, you know that, that after a bunch of tough on, uh, tough on crime laws had passed, including the uh, Clinton era uh, crime bill, um, that uh, uh, you know that even even though crime was down, here we are with this really high prison population that didn't compute for him. Not realizing that because we have a really high prison population, the prisoners are locked up instead of out committing crimes. So um, James Taranto, who used to write a regular column. Um, in the uh, uh, Wall Street Journal, coined the term the put- uh, Butterfield effects, and he was always, you know, every time we'd get one of these stories, it would be Fox Butterfield. Is that you? Would be that line. Um, but the the idea here is um, that the you know the Butterfield effect is that when you when you are harder on the criminals, when you lock them up, when you sentence them, crime goes down, um, and a lot of that is because of because they're in jail as well as as a deterrent, and. You know, we are we are the antithesis of that right now, um, and we keep getting these big crimes. You know, these, these shooting sprees or you know whatever kinds of uh, uh, crimes. We keep getting them from people who should be locked up, from laws not being enforced. Um, and you know, sometimes it's just stu- plain stupidity that we don't enforce them, and sometimes it's very intentional that we don't enforce them. Well, we also and Kevin have a that's very, where we are now. But we also have a very strong. Uh, and I'm not so sure there's any country that, that doesn't, but uh, we also have a strong, uh, I don't know, I, I guess idea that you can't really prosecute somebody until they committed the crime. You can't really prosecute them about thinking about it. But it used to be people would think about punching a guy. Well, it, 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 yeah, it, unless it's, uh, um, no, never mind. I'm not, I don't want to get into it. Well, but I'm, I'm saying, you, you know, you... How many times in, 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 in high school, I won't say college because we're all pretty, com- that, that there was somebody you didn't like and you, you really thought about maybe going over and drilling them, but you never did. But if you if it, if it had put you in jail because of your thought process, I mean, all of us would have been in jail, right? And then, I think we made a movie about that. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's it, it's, a, it's actually very difficult, but I, I think one of, the, one of the bigger issues, I mean, not the, they're all big, but, when you get people in, in jail, I mean, if I, I would guess, you know, just like the homeless. I mean, I'm always talking about someday you have to gather up the 80 homeless and you have to have, you know, in a nice way, not a crummy way, you have to assess what you have. You know, do you have 15 people that ought to be in some sort of a uh, mental health facility? Do you have 20 people just for the luck of, bad luck of God, the place they work just closed up and they got nowhere to go? Uh... Do you have people who the breadwinner of the family maybe died? Do you, w- 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 there's probably some people there that if they had a job could start tomorrow. There's probably some percentage that have, have dropped off the skill set to where maybe they're doing some drugs and stuff. Where if they, 
are dry. Yeah, so you're missing a big one. Yeah, the, you, you sort yeah. of touched on it. There. Yeah, but, but there's drug there's addiction. Some, there's some that if if it, that are, are hopelessly gone in the drug addiction. There's some that if you give them a month in a rehab center, could have a job the next day. I mean, you, you have to you have to figure out what the hell you have. And I remember talking to uh, uh, Sheriff Sheehan a lot when he was in the club, and he would say, "Look." When they closed the Tinley Park Mental Health Facility, half the people just moved into county jail. I mean, they, they have no ability to take care of themselves, so the, so they're going to go someplace and, and rob a loaf of bread, and then it's probably not that simple, and all of a sudden they're in jail. He said, there's people here that don't belong, they should be in a mental health facility. There's people here that have done one thing, that if they have some kind of a, a high school degree here or some kind of a trade here, they probably won't come back. There's other people that you should never let out because they're going to be back the next day because that's just the way they are. I mean, there's a huge mix of people. And, and, and we refuse to make the investment, Kevin, yet I think if we made the investment in the long run, the investment would, would, would work out for us. It would probably be a pretty good investment. You know, if they do it... Well, yeah, because you're, you're, you're suggesting investment where what we're really doing is having expenses yeah. rather than investments. So we, we throw a lot of money at it, but the money gets eaten up by you know by overhead, by corruption, by uh, you know all, all kinds of things, and we never solve the problem. And a lot of the money gets thrown at things that don't work, and that's fine. You tried, it didn't work, and the, but the solution to it didn't work is always well, we just need more money to make it work. And you know, of course, you know we we've seen that in uh, in the business world, and that's the kind of thing that gets you fired in the business world. Is well, when you just keep throwing good money after bad. Well, SP Futures down seven and a quarter. Nasdaq Futures down twenty one. Uh, How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona.
Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. No, I didn't. Honest. I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I, I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My touch didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake. A terrible flood. Locust. It wasn't my fault, I swear to God. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Low World Pick Stacks and Jacks. I love Belushi. <laughs> SP Futures down 750, NASDAQ Futures down 20. When we're done with this. I got a question for uh, our man Kevin regarding that scene in Belushi. Dow Futures down 32. Uh, nothing crazy here. And then the Dow Stacks, uh, biggest mover is uh, uh, Visa down 99 cents. So I mean, that's nothing major. We were, uh, we were pretty much mixed yesterday after the number came out. Uh, tomorrow we have the uh, PPI. So we'll see what happens there. We're in Europe. We've got the DAX up 91.6%, FTSE up 11.1%. Uh, Kakaran, however, huge, 93.1.3%. Kakaran's been leading things to the upside over there. Uh, Nikkei down 100.4%, Hang Seng down 301.1.4. These guys are under 21,000 now. 20,812. They were they had a low of 14.5, and then they topped out at 23.5, and now they're heading the other way, which is kind of odd. Uh, Shanghai down 12.4%. Uh, as a way of review, yesterday we had a mixed bag. Dow's down 156, S&P down 1, and the NASDAQ was up 68. Uh, bonds, uh, minus 1 uh, basis point, 3.75. The Bund, minus 1 basis point, 2.43. Japan, right at the same number, 0.505. So right at the upper end of the bandwidth the government says they can run. Uh, oil, down 52 cents, 78.54. Brent down 43 cents, 85.15. Natural gas up a penny, but 2.57. Arbob down 2 cents, 2.46. We've got gold on 18 bucks, 1846. Uh, it's heading more towards 1800 than 1900 here. That's not the best for those that are long gold. Silver down 32 cents, 21.54. Copper down 4 cents, 4.03. We've got Bitcoin up 5.94, uh, but kind of at the same number we talked about yesterday, 22,816. And we have the U.S. dollar, uh, well, actually pretty pretty strong here. Pound down 100, 115. That's off a full 1%. The euro. Uh, down 24 ticks, 0.2%. So a uh, dollar being uh, strong means, of course, gold going down. Uh, what do you got for us? Uh, traffic weather sports, man. Hey, good morning. Currently 6.36 a.m. on February 15th, 2023. 
Weather in Chicago, currently cloudy skies. Right now we're at today's high of 48 degrees. The wind advisory is in effect. Wind is coming in from the southwest at around 22 miles per hour with gusts up to 50 miles per hour. Tomorrow, snow showers around midday, back to freezing until the weekend. Uh, you can, though, look forward to sunny skies and mid-40s temperatures throughout this weekend. Right now in Phoenix, mostly clear skies, 39 degrees currently, a high of 54 later on. Yesterday in the NHL, Blackhawks lose to Canadians 0-4. Last night in the NBA, Bucks beat Celtics 131-125. And tonight in the NBA, Bulls play Pacers in Indianapolis. Game starts at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. So for now, Chief, back to you. Well, the Hawks are pretty sad, aren't they? Uh, aren't they, Kevin? And the Bulls are getting sadder, so we're we're kind of. And then was uh, Michigan lost again? Joel probably is the one ritual Harry Carey was. Yeah, uh, pitchers and p- catchers report time. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> hey, I give a that thing with uh, Belushi. Did you know? You ever know anybody? I'm sure you have. Where the excuses there, there are some people. If you say, "Hey, I need a center fielder tonight," back when you and I were dragging softball players in, somebody will say. You know, I'd love to, but, you know, my aunt died, so i got to go to the wake. And you'd say, oh, man, sorry about that, blah, 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 and you find somebody else. There's other people where you knew they were relieved their aunt died, so they'd have to think up another excuse. That there was no way on earth they were ever going to play center field that night. Yeah, way to go, Auntie. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Auntie. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, kind of a, a, a crazy sort of thing. Hey, a real quick thing we were kicking around yesterday. This lady. Yeah, it, it, well, yeah, and I, I, wanna, I got something from yesterday as well. So uh, you, you go ahead, and, and I'll, I'll come, uh, it, you may lead me to it. Well, it leads to you know, a conversation that uh, I was having with my significant other pre Valentine's Day. Uh, we're, she was talking about uh, you know who's voting for for mayor, and uh, actually I had the same conversation the other night with people. And I said, I don't know, maybe I'll vote for Paul Vallis. I don't know. And uh, I said, well, how do you know? He, he was ahead of the schools, and look how crummy the schools are. And I said, well, I don't know. It, it's it's really odd to me, Kevin, how, how how people get on. I'm not talking about him personally. I'm shifting people here, of course. Because yesterday, Biden tapped at this, this lady, uh, Lael Brainerd, to head the National Economic Council. And she just got, she just was appointed to the Federal Reserve as like the vice chair, was it six months ago? How do, how do people get on this fast track that they're just terrific at something? And yet, they're never any place long enough where you can actually figure out where the hell did they did a good job or not. The, the, the example I use, and I, I have nothing against the lady. I mean, obviously, she did a hell of a lot for this country. She lost both legs and stuff. We're talking about uh, uh, Duckworth. Uh, yeah. what's, the, what's her first name? Tammy. Uh, Tammy Duckworth. And uh, I, mean, I, have, I have nothing against her. I, but I, I, just, I just wonder, Kevin, when it comes to competency, I just happen to know, since my stepfather was in the... Uh, uh, nursing home, whatever you want to call them, uh, in the state, the veterans nursing home down in uh, Mantino. And it took six months. My brother worked his behind off to get him in there because we were at a bunch of other nursing homes. It cost a fortune, and when you go there, the place stunk. It was it was really bad. I mean, I, and uh, he wasn't the best patient. So uh, we tried to get him into Mantino. But we could have got him into uh, the one out on the Mississippi River sooner. And it was like a six-month wait to get in there. So he gets in there, and the place, the people are terrific. I mean, those who were listening to the show back then, I would go down and see him every Saturday, and I'd re- kind of report on it. The place, Kevin, is maybe half full, maybe half full, because there's only a certain amount of st- staff they had, and they didn't have enough for patients, and you go by empty bed after empty bed, and you're going, wait a minute, didn't we, didn't we just wait six months to get in here? And I got reasonably friendly, my brother and I, from the 
because just to let anybody know, very few people ever have a visitor. Uh, my brother would go two yeah. nights a week, and I'd go on Saturday, and uh, and it 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 really was, you know, it's sad. I mean, because my brother said, yeah, when they get there, they make him sign over all the power of attorneys and stuff, even though he really didn't want to, and they basically asked who your who your undertaker is. <laughs> so I was having a conversation with the guy. I said, you know, when my brother dropped Walter off here, he was a little taken aback by how forward, you know, you guys were for wanting, uh, you know, who the hell the Undertaker is and all this stuff. And the uh, guy goes, Tom, you don't get it. I said, all right, what don't I get? He goes, people aren't like you and your brother. That's the last time we see any of these people. They drop their parents off, and that's it. But the next call we make, whether it's a year later, five years later, is to the Undertaker. There's nobody else. And, uh... Kevin, I was just kind of, but anyway, right about the time my stepfather passed away, uh, the you know Tammy Duckworth was named to be the head of Veterans Affairs in Illinois, and I for the next few years uh, I would you know whenever I got people had you know good stuff they were going to donate and everything, I'd drive down to Mantino and I drop the stuff off, and I you know if I see somebody I talk to them. Kevin, I don't I don't know if the thing ever got more full. I don't know if it ever got. A new phone system. I don't know if they ever got a new TV. I don't know if she did a good job or not. And yet all of a sudden, two years later, she's senator. I, mean, I, I don't know if these people just go from place to place to build a resume and actually do something or don't or don't care if they're already politicking for the next job. And, and, yet, and everybody has an opinion one way or the other based on whether they like the person or not. I don't know if she did a horse bleep job or she did a good job there. I mean, I mean, I mean did, was all of a sudden because she was there two years, the place had more staffing and it was 70% full and I could really say, God, you did a great job? Or did she do nothing? I, how does anybody have any idea, Kevin? I mean, I, whether these people are worth, worth a crap or not. Well, you don't even have any idea. Most people don't have any idea anyway because they don't really care to check. Um, so, you know, what difference would it make in many ways to uh, have an evaluation of that? Like, if, if you get into government, um, you, like you always say, there's a skill set. Um, the skill set in there is the skill set to get elected. The skill set is to move up the food chain in, in the uh, political party. And, um, and, and it's, to me, the, uh, the skill set that you develop for that is not a bunch of admirable traits. Um, so, you know, yeah, did she do a good job or not? I don't know. I'd, I'd love it um, if she did. Someday I would like, I, I would really like competence to be a big factor in who we elect. Well, Kevin, I would love it if she did. Here's a war hero lady. Now she has a family. She seems very bright. I'd love it if she went in there and stirred the pot and the thing was five times better than when she went in there. I'd love to see it. I, I, just, I was cl- reasonably close to it. I don't know. How does anybody else know? Good question. Don't know. I mean, I, mean, I have no idea this lady, this Lael Brainer. Is it just because... She's female and she talks a lot, or is she actually very brilliant? I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. All well, I was, uh, actually, uh, um, you know, che- uh, checking boxes for uh, checking representation boxes has been a big criterion of the uh, uh, Biden administration. Oh, without a doubt, so without a doubt. It's it's just it's it's just as possible that that's what's behind it. But I don't know anything about her, so I don't know what boxes she checks other than being a woman. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's it's sort and, of crazy. And, and, and maybe, maybe she's great. I, you know, I don't know. Don't know anything about her. And I just, as it comes to the, and then people get blamed for stuff. They have, I mean, it's amazing what you blame presidents. I, I try to, uh, since the Tribune is online, and this is, I have no skill set in this. Uh, it's a good thing you're not close. I'd be picking your brain every day. 
Uh, anyway, there was, a, there was an article on the editorial page. It wasn't about, it wasn't, it wasn't really an editorial. It was a guy talking about how many objects that people sight in, in the sky, like, all the time. <laughs> I mean, they don't know if they're balloons. That's why they call them UFOs. He goes, now, if everybody in the country is going to be pointing every camera up in the air and you're going to shoot all of them down. He goes, last year there were something like 160 sightings of stuff that was, like, from pilots and from other people, of stuff that they flew by to know if it was a balloon or what it was. He goes, what are, what are we going to do, scramble a jet every, every time we see one? I, I don't know. Well, it, it, CBS report this morning, though, wait, let, let's back up on balloons for, for yeah. a minute. Um, CBS report uh, this morning was that we had the military tracking the one that uh, we let cross the country. They, they, they were tracking it from liftoff. Really? When, when it lifted off in, in China. And CBS reported that this morning. Um, well, that's a much... So, so now you go back and say, first of all, did the president really not know about it before, you know, like the Thursday of last week or Tuesday of last week, whenever he said he knew about it? I think and he... is this not the kind of thing that shows up, you know, when it starts to approach U.S. skies, does that, uh, U.S. Uh, airspace, does that not show up in a daily briefing? That's kind of weird. I'm going to bet you um, he didn't find out about it until it became news. I, I, that's what I'm thinking, too. Um, now, the, the other thing that I think is, is kind of interesting is, you know, that a week ago we were talking about, hey, everybody's an expert and thinks we should shoot it down. And, you know, I, I was pretty circumspect about my opinions on that because I didn't want because I, I didn't know, and I still don't know. I, don't, I still don't know if there was more value to us being tapped into what was going on with it than there would have been to shoot it down, although I really believe that the Chinese were inter- very interested in, uh, uh, what I want to say, very interested in just seeing what the, you know, if, if they push some buttons, what will our reaction be? Oh, yeah. Uh, but... But anybody who claims that we should have shot it down must be feeling pretty vindicated by the fact that everything that moved since then we've been shooting down. Oh yeah, <laughs> we don't even know what they are. It's like I- yeah, we, and, and then they, yeah, and then they come out and say, "Well, not sure what it was." Oh jeez, okay. Well, maybe they were, maybe they were the experts, or maybe this is all just done because you know what we got so much criticism before that now we're going to shoot them all down. I don't know. I don't think that's a good way to govern, no. um, but what the heck. Well, the guy, the guy in the article yesterday, and I'll see if I have to try and dig and find it, uh, said that there were 160 sightings last year, or the last year and a half or something, 80 of which were identified as they, they found out what the hell they were. I mean, these are from pilots and other people. And uh, it leaves 80. <laughs> I mean, what, who knows, are any, are any of these real UFOs? <laughs> we don't want to shoot down one of those. I mean, I... I, I don't know, it, it's 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 yeah, definitely don't want to shoot down the aliens. They probably have better better uh, ability to fight back. So a- anyway, I, it's it, you know it's it's silliness. I you know I I don't know what to make of it. It's it's yet another a, diversion. A different question. A different a different question because I don't want to get away without uh, talking about the inflation report yesterday. Yes. So I, I sent in a you know I tweeted a question, but I was tweeting at a stoplight and and. Uh, and, and it was so quick that it auto-filled what I, uh, what I was asking, some of the words, and it just didn't seem to make any sense. So I, I, I want to run this by you and see what you think of it. I'm staring at because consumer price. I know able to when we have it. adjusted numbers for, um, for employment, it's because we're reporting month over month 
and they want to smooth out the, uh, um, the seasonal variance. So I'm not a fan of that. You know, as Carl likes to say all the time, Christmas comes the same kind of time every year. We can, you know, we can handle the comparison. Um, and, and so I, I am absolutely fine with that thought process. Uh, so, but the question is, why would you have an adjusted number for inflation when all you do is report this year compared to the same time last year? Okay, well, the, just just what uh, good does an adjustment do at that point? Because February, uh, January, January twenty, uh, whatever the variables are that you would want to smooth out from December to January, okay, or from January to February. Well, when you're comparing January this year to January last year, uh, you're doing a little. Belush- why do you have to smooth that out? You're doing a little Belushianus because I'm staring <laughs> at the consumer price index for all urban consumers. The unadjust, the year to year is unadjusted. It's the monthly that's unadjusted. That's what I was. It, it so. They're no, they're, but they're making yeah, they're making monthly adjustments. Are they not? Are they? But then they're they're taking that adjusted figure and comparing it to the adjusted figure from last year. Um. Let me read the column headings here. Now you bring up yet another question. Just as I was going to tell you, you're all wet. Now maybe you're not all wet. Uh, unadjusted percent change. January 22 to 23, 6.4%. Then December 22 to 23.8%. That's the, those are the, the unadjusted column. Now the seasonally adjusted column, they give you an October to November number, a November to December number, and a December to January number. So they're, they're only seasonally adjusting on this table the monthly now which monthly then they they use to come up with the yearly you would think since there's no adjusted yearly that they were using the unadjusted monthly but it doesn't it doesn't really say that for sure does it uh, no and so now i'm very baffled about this and, and i'd really you know i'd love to have an explanation well logic would I mean, have you not, not from you necessarily because yeah. i know you know that have it. Well, I mean, but it just seems like this is a great opportunity to really mess with the numbers, however you see fit. Well, lo- logic would have you uh, say that since the the, se- the year over year is unadjusted, that that would be that the adjustment part you take the unadjusted and they would all work their way out over the year. That's that's what you and I would think. That's not exactly what I'd put a hundred percent bank on. That that's what these guys are doing. You and I would only use the unadjusted. If, if on the yearly number, if we want the yearly number unadjusted, right? Yeah, and, and you know what? I would, you know, again, I, I live in a different world of numbers and have for a long time as, as far as how we use them in business. You don't adjust numbers in business when you're managing things. I, I'm stung by, <laughs> I mean, the one, the so, ones you know, to me, that it, it, it makes no sense. To, it, it, you know, I, I have a really, really hard time relating to doing that anyway. I can look at a chart. I can watch the variables. I can look at a run control chart, watch things vary up and down. In fact, I think that's more informative than than trying to do me the favor of smoothing it out um, because that allows me to actually see what's happening in real time using the real data. And, you know, don't, don't you know, it, because, it, you know, it's that old the difference between data and information. Um, I can, you know, we can turn it into information, but when you distort the data, I have a harder time con- uh, making it into information. Well, the weird part, Kevin, is that I'm looking at this. Now, of course, this goes into huge detail if you get in. This is table two. If you get to table 30, God knows what you're up to. But the, the fifth line down, because it starts out with food, and it's, then it's food at home, 
and it gives all the stuff you know down that you could possibly eat at home. But the fourth line down is flour and prepared flour. Now, even if you're President Trump, President Biden, I don't know if these guys ever look at anything like this, or somewhere along the line, the, the Council of Economic Advisors, whoever the hell, or the head of the Fed, if you just even take a, a glance at this, <laughs> and you go four lines down, and you go flour and prepared flour mixes is up 3.9% from January to f- December to January, and the unadjusted change. And then you look over to the seasonally adjusted, they got it minus 0.9. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're if, 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 if you're Dumbo from the other side of the tracks, you have to sit there and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got, we got a guy or a lady whose job it is to go out and find... Matter of fact, our friend uh, Mike Murphy said his, his, his um, mother used to do samplings in grocery stores for the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So Mike's mom was a very, very nice lady. We all knew her. Now, she's going to go out and she's going to say, okay, it looks to me like the flour and prepared flour mixes, whichever that is, is up. You know, last month it was a buck, and this month it's a buck oh four. It looks like four percent rise to me. She sends that in to somebody. Who the hell is the somebody that says, "Nah, it's not up four percent; it's down one"? This is on line number four. I don't care who you are. You have to look at that line and go, "Wait a minute! How does that even happen?" We're not, we're not talking about something big. We're talking about point zero six percent of your basket, right? So next to nothing. And yet somebody somebody took it upon themselves to say flour didn't go up four percent; it went down one. You said, you're like, who the hell, how does that even happen? <laughs> I mean, as you go further down, the numbers, you know, they, they, some of them are, are up and down as they go, but most of them, most of them are adjusted down, obviously. But it's, it's still kind of weird. How, how would that even happen? And here's one, uh, you know, uh, ham, and cl- ex- excluding canned ham. They, they got it up 5.5%. The adjusted number is 3.5. Okay, okay. Who, who decides? The guy who makes the adjustment, is he the same guy that was in the ham aisle? I, I you know, I... As you know, everything I look at... Well, and, and who cares, because who buys canned ham? Well, canned ham, I suppose people do buy canned Sure they do. I, I, I immediately go into spam here. Oh, God, no. There's, you know, some of the canned hams aren't bad. You know, just just saying. But, uh, yeah, this stuff is or- oranges, 3.7%, adjusted number 2.8. Okay, so somebody took it upon themselves, saying, ah, you, whoever, whoever did this stuff is wrong. I mean, I don't know. They got fresh vegetables, up 0.9%. Adjusted numbers, minus 0.2. You know, I, it, it's it's really it's really kind of strange. And what, why you need why you, you would think you just take what people give you and, per, and just you know and uh, throw it out there, but uh, maybe not. But uh, you know, we we are looking at these numbers, and after the labor numbers of two weeks ago, I'm, I'm with our buddy Mike Murphy. Can't believe any of this stuff, which is really, you know, there, there's there's two schools of thought. Of course, my brother, his brothers are, will will argue with you on everything. And he goes, I mean, Dan was on the. Dan Howe was on the grain floor uh, trading corn options and a little bit of soybean, mostly corn, for several years. And, and of course, him being himself, um, knew everything there was about all the reports and the different crops and the different places that made corn and which months were this group, that group. I mean, if Dan was on the air for three days, he'd bore the hell out of you telling you all about the corn. Because every one of those things, the Board of Trade, is like a lifetime. I mean, the soybeans, guys become really good at soybeans. I mean, you talk to Greg on, on Monday morning, Greg Pappas, he could talk for you a week about the soybean crush. You know, most people are like, what the hell is that? But uh, anyway, Dan would say the numbers, you knew they were all... Sounds like a good name for a rock band. Yeah. He said, you know, you, you knew they were kind of weird, but you had, to, you had to take it under the advisement that they were they were weird the same way every month. And that everyone, and it's at the end of the day, at least you, if the numbers were up, you know, a million bushels from last year, 
It might have been 900, it might have been a million one, but at least you knew they were up. And you you, you kind of trust them to at least do the same thing every time. Now, on, on, our, on the other side, on our side, when these numbers are so politically hot potatoes, I don't know if the word trust even enters into it. Do you, Kevin? I don't. Some of, some of our I don't trust it. No, I mean, but you wonder how the hell, if I was going to, if I was going to fudge the numbers, I probably wouldn't start in the flower, on <laughs> the flower line. <laughs> I mean, well, it, it might be the easy, easiest place to do it, though. Well, but I mean, you're talking about point zero six of your basket. You're not getting anywhere with that one. It just, I, you know, I, uh, I just wonder with the. I mean, I, you know, I said it the other day. I mean, after after just um, being witness because I had to turn it, turn turn the uh, TV down. I was watching a game because I was talking to a client. The guy, the guy wants uh, three times the rent as your monthly salary, which is exactly the number that Morgan Stanley came in two weeks ago, saying that uh, your that rent is now thirty percent of most people's salary, and uh, and that you that you 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 get to this thing, and I will say this uh, now: rent the rent of primary residence. Is now up to seven point five percent of your basket instead of seven point four last month. So I guess they're making progress, but Kevin, it's not it's not close to thirty. So you look at a line like that, and you say to yourself, "Really, <laughs> how does that work?" Right? And uh, and they've got rent up eight point six percent on the year. I'm going to say most places it's probably higher than that, but you know I don't know. Is is it higher than that in Mississippi or Alabama? I don't know. And sure as hell is in New York and Chicago, I think. But uh, you know, you wonder. What what planet are they on, and when what and what message are they trying to do with that stuff, and do people believe it or don't believe it, and and how do you if you can fudge the numbers, how do you know how anybody's doing, and how do you know how the administration's doing if they can fudge the numbers, and every administration. Yeah, so I and, and I'm at the camp that first of all you do need accurate numbers, but if your methodology is consistent, then at least you can get an idea of what the trend is. Right. I'm not sure. I'm not confident that the methodology is consistent. I don't think it is either. I think I think they, and, and every and everybody who you know jumps on one side or the other of the aisle. I wish I could find this in my in my voluminous stuff here, Kevin. I went through actually cleaning up, uh, and I was looking for this piece of paper, and I cannot find it to save my life. It was have to be a job for John Flanagan because he could find anything. Somebody wrote a, a historical piece regarding every single president, starting with Kennedy. Messed with the uh, the the, the uh, what do you want to call it the, the budget the budget numbers the de- the deficit numbers that you, you get from Washington where Social Security uh, used to be separate because it was supposedly supposedly a trust uh, which it never really was but it, supposedly a trust and uh, then then Kennedy did something and then Johnson you know put the Social Security into the rest of the numbers so it looked like he had a surplus when he didn't because. And, and and then Nixon did something else. Then Ford did something else. I mean, it's it's like every single every single president basically bleeped with the numbers. To now, you know, the uh, the deficit we're running nobody nobody splits out the Social Security piece anymore and says, wait a minute, that's actually a deficit. You're actually or a surplus. You're actually you know, I don't know. If, I don't think Social Security is a surplus anymore if you include Medicare in there. But uh, so yeah, I mean, w- w- but how do you how do you even judge whether whether the people you're voting for are good or bad or whatever? You don't know. And, and I think that's it must must be the idea, right? Right, Kevin? Just to, 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 to base it down to personalities and one and one liners. I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
but whatever it is, it's not serving us very well. Well, we got a dash here because we got Russell Rhodes, and he has a special guest, uh, the person who is in charge of the hospital a concentration down in uh, IU, is going to be uh, his guest at 730. So I'm really looking forward to this. SP Futures down yeah. 11, and SP Futures down 36, and Kevin has prompted me with a couple of uh, very interesting questions to ask her. So thank you, Kevin, for that, and I'll be sure to do that. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures now down 1375. We're leaking a little bit. SP Futures down 44. We had a mixed day yesterday. Uh, CPI numbers, we had a couple of 70-point moves in the S&P, up, down, up, down. So whatever price you wanted to get on anything you were trying to buy or sell yesterday, if you're patient enough, you pretty much got it. Do we have the professor? We do indeed. Professor, how are you? First professor is here. Second professor in 30 minutes. Um... I'm very excited to talk to you. I'm very excited to talk to her. And Kevin has uh, provided me with a couple of questions to ask. Ask. Uh oh! I, I promised her it would be easy. So let, let, uh, let's not. Let's oh not no, Kevin is. You know, Kevin is uh, always concerned with how do you get into the program? Who's your normal person? What age are they? Are, oh, yeah. are they people already working for hospitals? And he, you know, because Kevin is really into the progression of people that maybe yeah. get a job yeah. out of high school. And how do you get from there to? The promised land, and uh, you know, and uh, you know what? It, He's good. It at may it. have been better. It may have been better to have him on with her instead of me. And me. 
But uh, you know, he, but, but, you know, he's a he's a guy that is absolutely into. You can improve yourself at any age, and I mm-hmm. I really like to see him and you and and Minhal drop into <clears throat> not into the you know the the, other, the right gate, uh, but the, the administrative side of the prisons and and try and get some kind of a program for those that don't have it. So not every mm-hmm. single person comes back when they get let out. I mean, I really, I understand a couple states do that, Nevada being one of them, because I saw it on 60 Minutes. I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's others, but somehow or another, I mean, you know, Kevin is a believer that at, at age 60, if you want to go get a certificate and do something, you can better yourself. And, uh, and I totally agree with that. Yeah, I do. I mean, my, my mom was still taking, uh, well, she died when she was 83, I think, at 80. She was still at St. Exams taking history classes for the for adults at night whenever she could get in, you know, That's type great. of thing. And, uh, and of course, she quizzed cool. me, and I wouldn't know what else she was talking about. And, oh, you got all this education. You should know this stuff. <laughs> wow, you just took the course. <laughs> anyway, but uh, that's, that's you know, you can't choose your mothers, as they say. Uh, no. Um, I'm not so sure they can choose you either, which is even worse, probably, because they have to take mm-hmm. care of you. So what's going on in, in, in your world? What's going down? Your basketball team's got a big game tonight. Yes, there's another big game. And... Um, you know, I've still yet to get down to the court, and I don't know how to pronounce the name of the court. But um, I, I was there the night it I, opened. Oh, were you? Yep. Uh, Who did they play? They play Notre Dame. Uh, why did you have to bring that up? The Irish, did they? The Irish lost 94-27. to 27. Oh, my goodness gracious. Like a lot to a little. And the, yeah. And as they say, the game was not as close as the score would indicate. That's a, that sounds like a, I, and, you know, I know that I'm just opening myself up here, but that, that sounds more like one of the, the women's scores when UConn plays somebody. Well, it happens when, uh, you know, they, I, or South Carolina's women play somebody. Cause I, you, almost, uh, you know, if they play 30 games, they win 28 of them by 30 points. Well, it happens when the entire starting five, six, really seven of the team last year graduates, the coach leaves. Yeah, you know, Digger Phelps in there, and the two big recruits are uh, one had flunked out, and one had blood clots and couldn't play. The two new guys were freshmen, and freshmen couldn't play at the time. One other guy was in a motorcycle accident, had his leg cut off, so he he was a little slow. Jeez. Another guy joined the Peace Corps. So oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just caught that. I, so I'm not sure. Out of out of the out of the twelve people you had on scholarship, probably four were, were eligible. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and and what you said about the freshmen, a lot of people don't probably don't know this, but back in the day, you could only play three years. Yeah, you, you, as a freshman, you couldn't play, and they they had freshmen. We would go early to Memphis State games and see the freshman team play. And it was a way to get people yeah. acclimated to the school. They they played, but I'm going to say yeah. it was a maybe a ten game season, but it wasn't. It wasn't, like, if the Irish traveled to UCLA, the, the, the freshmen didn't travel to UCLA. They, right. They were playing, right. you know, they were playing, uh, you know, somebody somebody you could take a bus to, you know, they were, mm-hmm. they were playing Western Michigan or somebody, you know, type of thing. Uh, not that anything's wrong with Western Michigan. They got a good team. But I'm saying the freshmen would, they, they were within, what, two-hour bus trips would be their games. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you got acclimated to school. I mean, there was a reason for it. The first year that... Uh, Freshman could play, I think it was my senior year, uh, where Adrian Dantley played in the football team. 
That's when Arrow went out and got uh, Ross Browner, Willie Fry, and Al Hunter. And Ross Browner ended up being, I think he's NFL Hall of Famer. I mean, Ross Browner was a man among boys as a freshman. I mean, uh, that was mm-hmm. the reason why, well, one of the big reasons why they beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl was Ross Browner and Willie Fry. And they were both were freshmen. I mean, if you're, if you're that good, you know, you're good as a freshman, right? I mean, it's, uh, yeah. you're at the top of the gene pool, you're at the top of the gene pool. And, uh, so yeah, that was my senior year because Adrian Dantley, uh, was a freshman. I'm not, so, I'm not so sure whether I think that's a positive development or not, to be honest with you, Russell. I mean, college is a, well, a lot of things have changed since then. I mean, uh, now kids go to, if you're a, a recruit, assuming you spend your whole year in high school and graduate in June, a lot of them graduate in January, you're, you're immediately into a summer school, two, three classes, already get to know your tutor if you need one, and you have your acclimated that way. Uh, the chances of you're not, it's not like you're working for the summer at home and show up, you know, a week early for football practice. And oh, by the way, the day after Labor Day, you're thrown into class with all the people whose test scores are 10 times better than yours. And that's basically the way guys used to start, which mm-hmm. you know, was not the best start anyway. So, what they did is for, for freshmen, they'd say, Look, it's going to take you a year, uh, since you're probably not the brightest bulbs in the box anyway, to get acclimated, and then you'll, you can play as a sophomore. There was a logic to that, I think. Uh, you know, I don't think we'll ever go back. There was, and until people started skipping college and going straight to pros, and well, you never could really do that. It, you never could really do that in football. Uh, who, who was it? That, who was like the first one that did that? There was somebody back in the seventies. Uh, in football? No, in basketball. No, no, in, in basketball. In basketball. I, I'm going to say, basketball. Matt. Why don't you look this up? I'm going to say Moses Malone, maybe. That I was thinking Xavier McDaniel, but that sounds more correct. Um, we will probably, if I had my phone in here, I'm sure we would get a text uh, from uh, Mike Murphy or Kevin. Moses was mm-hmm. first, or somebody was in. It might have been Spencer Haywood. Moses, it was Moses Malone. I think it was Moses Malone. Um, mm-hmm. But he doesn't really count because he went directly to the ABA. Right, that's, that's, that's what happened. He went to the ABA first, the NBA yeah. changed the rules. Which became the, yeah. Well, so. some, some didn't, some didn't. And the one team just got the TV rights, remember? Mm-hmm. And then they, they just got bought out of that, what, like three, four years ago? Only, only I f- think so. Yeah, only, they, they keep changing it. Only four teams actually entered the NBA because the, the Bulls got Artis Gilmore. The Kentucky Colonels did not. He was on the Kentucky Colonels, right? Those the, people, those the, Memphis, the Memphis Tams did. Who'd they become? But they became, but they became the New Orleans and then Utah Jazz. Okay. Uh, this is so. according to, uh, I'm not sh- this may answer your question, may not. Uh, Moses Malone, uh, it says right here, uh, according to Wikipedia, again, the first player in modern professional basketball to enter directly from high school. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. There we go. But there was, there was a, for some reason, there was a there was a fifth ABA team. The other, a couple of guys got bought out. I think the Kentucky yep. Colonel guy, guys got money. Some people became NBA teams. Some people got bought out. And this guy said, I don't want to get bought out. Just give me the TV rights as if I was still here. Which, mm-hmm. over a period of like 30 years, became, God, the guy got a fortune, right? Yeah. Because was, it was like he was, he, like you know, there's 30, well, however many teams there are in the league, say there's 30, they divvied it up 31 ways, and he got one of the ways, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's scary. But, okay, so what, uh, give us a prequel. And, uh, first of all, who, who are we going to have on? And, uh, uh Dr. Saxon, Kim Saxon, she's a um, clinical professor of marketing, kind of like the marketing counterpart to me, and um, 
she started up the graduate certificate in medical management. I want to say a couple of years ago. I I I was not around for the very beginning of the program, but then I got recruited in to uh, teach the finance stuff, like how to how to do an income statement for a small business and things like that. Okay. Uh, and it's a it's a five class certificate. You have four four classes that teach you a bunch of practical stuff, and then you also have a uh, project at the you know that's the you know, your final capstone thing to graduate. Right. So you can go in and, and take these five classes and get a hospital certificate. It's it's not necessarily uh, an MBA. Yeah. Yeah. But then you can also transfer into the MBA program. Okay. And the credit and some of the credits transfer over. See that's and um, of the I had about I think I had about fifteen people last year. I think three of them are in the traditional MBA program now. That's uh, that's that's interesting. It's it's totally different than the way the University of Chicago did it. Which if, you know, mm-hmm. Chicago you you couldn't get out of there without taking your twenty classes. It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You could be a Nobel Prize winner in economics, pass out of your economics classes, and have to take four others somewhere else. <laughs> they they wanted their twenty classes out of you, and. Uh, and the, the hospital thing just meant that you took uh, five of the subjects were in a group that gave you that concentrate. So in other words, if you wanted to be an account, accounting concentrate, you, you you had to take five accounting courses. And I only took, uh, I took three or four. And, and, and after mm-hmm. the fourth one, let's put it this way, Russell, after the fourth one at night downtown uh, without any air conditioning, oh, my goodness. 272 of the three-hour classes. No, it was one three-hour class instead of two 75-minute. I said, there's no way in hell I'm ever taking another accounting class. I hated it. So there went my accounting concentrate. So I was was concentrate-less. I didn't have one. But if I would have taken five in the healthcare piece, then I would have been a healthcare... I would have my MBA would have concentrate or or major, whatever you want to call it, in healthcare management. That's what they did. It was not a... You couldn't just go there for that. I like the way you're doing it way better. I mean, because then somebody who's maybe has an accounting degree or has something that's working for a hospital can now go get this without doing it all over again. Well, generally, I'll tell you, generally the people that come into the program have very little, if no, business experience. Okay. They're they're healthcare. Now, I mean, I had a student who who runs, um, I forgot if it was a podiatry clinic or something like that. So she sort of has management, but she's, she's kind of like learning on the job, and, and I think that's one of the reasons she came into our program. Uh, but one of the real fun things is, it, it, like in my class, you have to come up with a new idea for where you work, and you have to get the numbers to justify it, or just show that the numbers aren't going to justify what your great idea was. Now, with, with some of the people, not all, mm-hmm. with some of the people who essentially maybe they're, you know, whatever they are, Urologists, podiatrists, and all of a sudden they're running a small group of people. Would they maybe benefit from a, a, a uh, we'll say semester or quarter of it is of just basic accounting with Kevin before they come to you? If uh, we post like pre-work videos for people that have no experience whatsoever. Okay. Uh, so we do, but the short answer is yes. If um and, and I'll, I'll give you a prime example of that. If you if you were thinking about if you had no business experience whatsoever, um, I think Ivy Tech would be a great place to prep you 
for for some experience. Yeah, I you know one of the first financial engineering programs in the country was at Illinois Institute of Technology, which they now call Illinois Tech, uh, and I did that degree, but I went to College of DuPage first and brushed up on programming before I did that. Okay, where were some guys that yeah, so I, so I it, in in the same mindset. I used to know uh, guys. Yeah, that- absolutely. And and I've told I've said this a couple of times already. I get Ivy Tech students, four of Ivy Tech, and they are great. They say anything good about Kevin? Uh, I I haven't specifically asked about Kevin. You know, because I'm down here in Indianapolis when I when I teach former Ivy Tech students, and he's up, you know, up there. Well, he was just down in Indianapolis, and I said, "Call Russell. He's got this huge expense account. Go out for some big steak." Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just saying, you know. I, I don't, I don't know where that expense account came from. It's it called my checking account. How can a guy like you not have some huge expense, you know, expense account? I just don't. You got to save the Because <laughs> well, I'm not working at the right place. Just try I'm it out. Try it. And send them the bill. See if they pay it or if they bounce it off your head. You know. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see how that would go. Hey, uh, so I'm, right, I'm still, re- I'm still relatively new. I'm trying not. I'm trying yes, to you are. Not rock the boat and stay out of as much trouble as possible. Well, hey, we got ten minutes to talk about other stuff before we. Let's talk uh, about other stuff. Uh, what do you, we have the CPI report, which is somewhat weird. I've been, I've been talking for two days now about. How you have an adjusted monthly number, but so I guess we don't need to go over that unless you unless you have the answer. Well, I can't find it. Didn't they change the methodology a little bit? I don't know, but the the, the yearly. I think I I think there was a methodology change, and I did not dig too much into this, but apparently uh, there there's a headline that came out between CPI reports that said using the new methodology, January was actually a little bit lower. Or no, December was a little bit lower. Um, I the, thought they the report we got in I January should be, a, should be revised lower because of the new methodology. I thought they revised uh, December from minus point one to positive positive point one. Well, I thought it went the other way, but I might be. I, all I know is I saw in the headline that they needed to make some adjustments because they had reworked the methodology. Well, Which I don't know why they didn't call you and me to rework the methodology. Well, I know it's uh, we po- we probably focus on it more than they do. Well, Kevin had an interesting question <laughs> since since the uh, uh, the monthly was 0.8 percent unadjusted and the 0.5 percent adjusted, but yet the yearly number obviously is unadjusted, right? He goes, yeah. Do they, do they add up all the unadjusted monthlies to get the yearly or the adjusted monthlies? And I go, I. You should think. Don't. I would think they would even out, but maybe they don't. I don't know. It's just. Well, isn't the yearly just you know this year versus twelve months ago? Uh, yeah. What's what we ought to it be? Does, well, I mean, it doesn't really. You know, it's not like a compounding thing. No, it, it should be just from last year. But I, one of the things I, uh, I, I, I sent us well the thing, the breakdown of the. Uh, I don't know if I sent it to you last night. I don't know if you had a chance to check it out. A guy from uh, a guy. Why don't I just figure out if it is really a guy? Who the hell did it? Actually, it isn't a guy. Lori Konish. Actually, we've we've uh, we've talked about some of her stuff before. She does really nice work. She was with CNBC. Um, Lori Konish is her name, and she says uh, the core categories plus other items with notable year-over-year changes: eggs up seventy percent, butter up thirty-two, fuel oil twenty-eight, utility gas service up twenty-seven. We all feel that. Airfare twenty six, motor vehicle repair twenty twenty three. I just had my jalopy in the shop yesterday, and it's twenty three. Even these, these guys, I, I can tell my 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 oldest who's been very impressed with backed her car into somebody else's car. So 
I know car repairs are expensive. Uh, yeah, you, when you're paying for two cars. And you know what? Since, <laughs> well, since I have a little bit of a uh, rust on my suburban, uh, and I, I'm saying, hey, look, I would like to get somebody to, to take care of it because I want to keep it for a while. It's a nice truck. And uh, oh, well, nobody does rust anymore. Those guys retired. Nobody does rust. What do you mean nobody does rust? All the, everybody wants to do collision because there's so much more money in collision than rust. Yeah. I mean, you would. <laughs> could you write a book like that <laughs> with this stuff? Russell, would you th- would you would you have any idea? These guys charge whatever much. Evidently, you can you can make a fortune doing collision repair, insurance repair, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to sit there grinding rust out of an old suburban and charging me a, re- a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Is, is that scary or what? It yeah it, it it's it's a you know supply demand thing. I guess. And you know the, there's not enough demand for it, or nobody wants to supply it because it's just not worth it. Yeah, well, it seems that they're not even keeping their cars that long enough to get rusty. That's true. Yeah. Well, now I mean only, the only cars I ever see with rust on them are abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in Chicago with all the salt here, that's why. Oh, I know. Whenever I, know. Whenever I buy yeah. a truck, I like to go buy one and like you know. Of course, now you got to worry if you go south where it's a flood truck. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be careful about that. But hey, um, what do you make of? Uh, I mean, the, the the Fed's got their little shtick going, uh, and. You know, the guy's getting buffeted back and forth, and are we ahead of this inflation game not? And I think you and I actually, the market doing what it's doing, I mean, yesterday we had a 70-point spin. Do you realize, I mean, uh, you could be the only one I, I would ask, do you, realize, you know what the straddle was in the queues yesterday? Like, uh, Going into it, was yeah. it about 2% or so? 2.3. 2. Yeah, that's the average move. Well, That's been the average move for the queues. Off the off of CPI, I actually wrote a blog on that. I started yeah. writing a blog on my own sub, Substack, and I wrote about CPI, and I treated it like an earnings report. And the average move is a little over. It, it said, if you go back to January last year, which I consider a good starting point because it it's indicative of the environment that we're in. Uh, the average move has been up or down. A little under two point three percent, but I'm not. I'm not surprised it was pricing that. Also, well, I'm not. That number is is rational. How many years? How many years did we go? And I keep saying under the Obama administration, just as a timely thing, not as a causality. Where we went? How many months did we go without a move over one percent? It was like eighteen, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, it was like a year and a half. And um, the average and, and the average Nasdaq move last year was up or down. I think one point eight percent. One point six percent. Now this is in, in, in uh this is in interday, not intraday, correct? Uh day day to day. Close to close. Now what uh there has been, because Rus- Russell is our, our uh apostle when it comes to uh, uh volatility. Is is any is does anybody even I know, I know that's always been the standard, right? I say I'm over everybody's head here. When you when you look at the volatility on a day-to-day move, how much did IBM move day-to-day? If it's 180 one day and 181 the next, that's the number they take. It's a one-point move, and they, that's how you figure your standard deviation, your volatility, and so forth. Uh, traditionally, we've, we've, we, the industry, has never really even kept track of intraday, correct? So if, if IBM opened at 180, traded like 195, and closed at 181, if you're trading it, you had one hell of a volatile day, but Day to day, eh, up a buck. What's the problem, right? So, do, does, is anybody even keeping track of the uh, over long periods of time? Because you, you know, you know all these data sets on the intraday. I mean, we've had in the last week, we've probably had 
10 80-point spins over a half-hour period in, in like, 10 days? I've, I've done, like, studies of the realized volatility if you take the high to low and low to high and those sorts of things. And over a long period of time, it, it kind of is in line with the close-to-close volatility that you experience as well. What if you did it for the last year? I haven't done it lately, but and 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 maybe I will. Uh, yeah, I'm saying that I haven't. I have not done that lately. But there's a darn when you plant that seed, you just you just ruined my whole morning. Uh, I had something else I wanted to do, and now I'm going to do that. Because it's uh, in the last. Well, we had an 80 point spin Monday morning on the show. With some yeah. some number was dancing around somewhere, and uh, yes. and yesterday when the number came out. We were positive 20, negative 35, then positive 35 in probably, uh, what, 20 minutes? Those are huge moves. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 put, um, you know, I put limit buy and limit sell orders uh, right at the high and low of that move. You, you, you nailed on both I'm of them? i kidding. Oh. No. I well, yeah, I'm that, sure somebody out there did, but I sure didn't. Well, that's... Um, but, but I have, I, and, and I've actually done also with CPI... I didn't update the data before this last one because really just I ran out of time. But um, the close to open is kind of uh, interesting as well, where you just look at you know the initial knee jerk reaction to CPI um, was pretty dramatic as well. What? Uh, how many years do we go when nobody even knew what the CPI was? Like thirty. <laughs> Do we go for, I'm sorry, we, 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 went, we went like 30 years, or anybody caring about CPI, and now it's the number one number? Oh, I know. Nobody, it's, it, it, I, I, was, I was teaching um, the Fisher Equation yesterday to undergrad, and it's so much easier to teach that now. You know, I just say, look, if I had locked in, you know, if, I, if I had gotten a one-year CD this date last year and maybe gotten 3% and inflation has been six, you know, I, that, that's that's. That, you know, that's losing purchasing power. So the last no, we ne- we were never paid. It, yeah, it, we would pay attention to employment, GDP, and Fed announcement. When when do you think the population is going to figure out uh, and and maybe go to the store and buy all the pitchforks out? Not advocating <laughs> revolution. When do you think the population is going to figure out that in the last three years, if you had a million dollars in the bank, you now have six fifty? It, it, <laughs> do we do we hope do we hope they never figure it out when I say they the population? But that, I'm sorry, you, said, you uh, broke out on me again. Right? I said, well, we, do we hope they never figure it out? <laughs> because if they do, oh, I'm sure. No, I'm I'm certain that, uh, that it, it, this. I, I I hate that we're running up on the the half hour yeah. now because I, I was going to start on a ten ten foil hat thing, but you know. Do you think that you know asking people not to put incendiary the government asking Twitter not to put incendiary things on Twitter to get people fired up? Part of it's because they're afraid of us. Uh, we might well incendiary things are one thing, but um, well, but you know, but like true things like this thing in Ohio that nobody talks about. Yeah, where yeah, you know, a giant chemical spill and then they burn the stuff off and. You know, people's animals are dying that are that are within miles of this thing. Well, I don't know. I don't think nobody talk. I I don't know why there's not you know uh, a line of reporters 
talking about it every day. Because we're shooting That's a down, huge disaster. We're shooting down. Uh, yeah, we're shooting the balloon. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if, if you would have taken the CTA bus to school like I did, uh, they had trouble selling advertising. A lot of times, up on the bus, these be advertised. There isn't anymore. And one of them, when there wasn't, uh, they didn't have enough ads. They would put like little phrases up there. And one yep. of the phrase was, "We talk about telling things incendiary." One of the tra- f- uh, phrases was, "When the truth hurts, it should." Hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're right. Yeah, I mean, uh, but you got to assume that some of that suppressing people is a little bit of fear. Well, do you think the average person, I mean, uh, my brother who worked for GATX knows more about freight rail than I ever did. Do you think the average person, if you if you talk about what is on a normal train car, the stuff that is being shipped, and by the way, it's a very safe way to uh, normally to, to, yeah. to, to send stuff. Uh, there, there used to be, uh, back in the old days when you got when you went in and got gasoline, it was either regular or ethyl. Ethyl, yeah. ethyl had a little bit of something in there called tetraethyl lead. I don't know if you even know what that is, Russell, but it, it, it probably... It's, what, it's what's not in unleaded gas. Yeah, it's... It, other than botulism, it's probably the most poisonous thing around. And you can mm-hmm. tell those freight cars, because you know the big, huge tank cars? These tank cars were about a third of the size, because that stuff was very heavy. And they were, I don't know how many inches thick. And the idea of, have you ever had a tetraethyl lead spill in a river? I don't think you could ever, you could ever come back from it. And, and no, it, would take, it would take forever. And I, and I think when those things, when they, when they scrap those, I think they would, they would fill them up with concrete and dump them in the ocean or something. Huh. That's, that's how, that, that's how. You know, and, 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 and there's a lot of stuff, I mean, just. Hydrochloric acid, those kinds of things. A lot of those those tank cars are full of that stuff, and, and they're designed to not rupture, obviously. But I mean, once in a while, you know, stuff happens, and it's a it's a bad thing. Now, you know, you're right. What, Did you hear about the the technology that they were using on that train? No. What? They said they said the brake system was Civil War area techno era technology. All of it is. Yeah. All of it is. It's, it was made by uh, Westinghouse. It made invented the air brake. The air brakes have been around. I don't know. I I, I would want something. Yeah, I used to live where I could see the BNSF go by ninety six times a day. Well, before (laughs) I I used to live right across from that, and that that that, that, you know that the technology that I guess is kind of keeping me safe because we were so close. Is that old? It's, it's just it's a little. Just because it's old doesn't make it bad. I mean, but the if you ever see real old movies like with uh, Charlie Chaplin and so forth, where he's on mm-hmm. on the trains, they used to have on the top of the train every every car. That's why you only had like maybe eight car trains. You had on the top of the car you saw this wheel, and you mm-hmm. probably would say, "What the hell was that?" That wheel was the brake. And when you started to go downhill or something, where the locomotive couldn't couldn't stop the whole thing. These guys would would run to the top of the car and they'd turn that wheel. And turning the wheel put the brakes on on, on just that car. Then they have to run to the next car. Is is brakemen? They were wow. brakemen. Yeah. And then what what the what Westinghouse invented was air uh, compressed air goes all the way through the train. And mm-hmm. and the, the normal if there's no compressed air, the brakes are on. And when the compressed air goes through the train properly, that's why a cabooseman was so important because he could tell you. If the if the compressed air made it all the back of the train, it was good air. The compressed air goes through, opens the brakes up. So if the, if the locomotive does not provide the compressed air, the train can't move. 
for a locomotive essentially has to be on and working for a, for a car. That's why right, if, you move, if you move a car over to the siding, the brakes should be on. Because there's no compressed air pushing mm-hmm. them off. It's totally different than the, your automobile. Hmm. Your car is your brakes are off, and when you hit the hydraulic fluid, the, the brake, either the pads or the drums expand up against either the the, the, uh, the rotor or the drum, right? The brakes are just mm-hmm. the opposite. The brakes are on all the time, and the locomotive pulls them off. So there you have it. Boy, see, mm-hmm. see you, you asked the question, and I'm... <laughs> and you know the answer. Well, I, I, used to, I used to talk to guys at Pullman a lot. Uh, so who we have? Uh, how do you pronounce the last name, Russell? It's Saxon. Saxon. Kim Saxon. Doctor yeah. Kim. Yeah, like the Anglos. Oh, okay. Saxon. Exactly, All right. Yeah. We'll have it's, it's not exactly. It's not spelled the same, but that's the pronunciation. All right. We'll you. be right back. Uh, SPV is not on twenty-two. We're leaking. Be right back, Saxon Jacks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Matt Byrne on the board. We have two guests. So we're going to run through this pretty darn quick. SP Futures down 20. Retail sales uh, just came out at a number 3, 3% versus one9 and before we start our interview with Dr. Sexton, we're going to ask, ask Russell. I don't think there's a deflator on the retail sales number, but he, he knows the answer to that. We will ask him. Well, he is the professor. Now, futures down 132, so we're we're still leaking here some, even though these numbers, even though they would, would appear to be good numbers, that means the, the Fed has to be even more aggressive, so we're in this good news versus bad news thing. That's always kind of a odd place to be. Uh, DAX up 70.5%, FTSE up 4. That's point, only 0.1%. Kakaron up 74.1%. These guys are all down from the last time when we talked about it, even though they're all still up. Renage, we had the Nikkei down 100.4%. Hang Seng down 301, 1.4%. As they've had a really down the last few last week or so, with one update was huge. Uh, trying to, they're giving back a lot of their rally here. Shanghai down 12%, uh, 12 points, I'm sorry, 0.4%. As a way of review, yesterday Dow was down 156, S&P down 1%. NASDAQ, however, was up 68, so a mixed bag yesterday. Uh, but the bonds 
10-year yield up one basis point, 3.77. The Bund unchanged, 2.45. Japan, uh, right at the top of their of the allowed movement to 0 0.50 that the government says they can go to. So we'll see what, what happens there. Uh, oil uh, down 76 cents, 78.30. Brent down 77 cents, 84.81. Natural gas down six cents, 250 exactly. Arbob down a penny, 246. We've got gold, whack, whack on the gold. Minus 19.80, 18.45. Silver down 35 cents, 21.52. We've got Bitcoin up 4.99 to 22,720. And given what's happened to gold, I'm going to say the dollar is the dollar is down, and sure enough, no, the dollar is up. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and sure enough, it is. As the British pound is is down 1.2 percent today, it's a huge move. Euro's down uh, uh euro euro's down 0.4 percent. So 120 on the pound, 106 on the euro. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.36 a.m. on February 15th, 2023. Weather in Chicago, currently cloudy skies right now. We're warmer than usual for this time of month, uh, currently at 46 degrees this morning. Wind advisory is in effect with southwest winds at around 27 miles per hour, with gusts up to 50 miles per hour. Advisory ends at noon today. Tomorrow, snow showers around midday, back to freezing temps for Thursday and Friday, but you can look forward to sunny skies and mid-40s temperatures throughout this weekend. Right now in Phoenix, mostly clear skies, 37 degrees currently, a high of 54 later on. Yesterday in the NHL, Blackhawks lose to Canadians 0-4. Last night in the NBA, Bucks beat Celtics 131-125, and tonight in the NBA, Bulls play Pacers in Indianapolis. Game starts at 6 p.m. So for now, Chief, back to you. Um, Russell, before we get to Dr. Kim, uh, the retail sales, there's no deflator on those. Is there it's just a straight number? I believe there's no deflator on it, but I'll, I'll, I'll Google, Google around. How would you like to introduce our, our guest? I'm very I'm very excited to hear from her. Why don't you introduce her Hi, for Kim. us? Hi, Kim. Hi. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. So, Kim, and... Chief will will back me up on this one. I, I I always say wonderful things about everybody down here, and how much I really like working here. But Kim's one of the best people I work with. And yeah, thank you. She, and she started up uh, something that's really cool. Um, I, I don't know how long ago you guys started it because I, I kind of joined later to the program. But um, you started the graduate certificate in medical management, which is a great program for people in the healthcare space that maybe want to get into management. I guess the best way to put it. Did I describe it somewhat well? Yeah, I think you did a great job. So uh, 10 years ago, Kelly started a physician MBA program. So it's just doctors in a, getting their MBA over 21 months. And what we were seeing these doctors do is they were going back into practice, and they were now able to have a big impact on decisions that the organization was making because they understood the language, they knew what people were talking about, they knew how to calculate ROIs and net present values and things like this. And they said to us, hey, why aren't you doing this for other healthcare uh, people? Like, I need my staff to know this stuff, too. And so we went out and talked to a bunch of nurses and PAs and other um, healthcare professionals and said, hey, do you want business training? And they actually said, yes, we do. And we need the basics of business, how to manage conflict, how to be a leader, finance, accounting, marketing. And so in the fall of 2019, we started offering this certificate to folks in the medical area. It's a one-year program. If you like it, you can take the credits and move into an MBA and go get the whole thing. And about 
60% of our students are getting their MBA. About 40% are like, hey, I got what I need. I'm good. Now I know how to talk business. What, what percentage of the MBA program does that certificate get you? Yeah, so it gets you five out of 13 classes. Okay. So just over a third. The reason why I ask is I was a, I'm a graduate of the University of Chicago, and they are so locked into their 20 courses, it's, it's scary. I mean, no, matter, no matter what, you could be Milton Friedman, and you have to take 20 classes to get an MBA. I mean, it's just, they were, they, they, there was no give on that, because I, I passed out of uh, my economics stuff. So instead of taking 11 courses I had to take, I, I only had to take eight. So I had to find, like, 12 other classes to take. I should have taken them in med school. Maybe I could have been a doctor or something. But, <laughs> but I, I, Well, we're trying to be flexible and help people accomplish their goals, right? We want more people having bigger impact on health care, trying to clean it up, right? I, I think, and one of the reasons why I was dying to have you on here, because uh, one of the other, our other guests we have two days a week is uh, Kevin O'Neill. He's with Ivy Tech. Uh-huh. And the, the, let's just say the, the Indiana way of, of teaching where you, 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 you break it up or you allow it to be broken up so you don't have to take a huge chunk at one time. You don't have to commit to 20 classes at six grand a pop like University of Chicago. I think is very, I think it's special. I think it's really good. I mean, the idea that somebody who is a doctor could, could go take this or then he could say, oh, by the way, I might as well, since I'm already halfway there, I might as well go the rest of the way or not. You leave more decisions up to people, which I think is is really the way to go. I mean, I, I'm really impressed by it, to be honest with you. Well, I have to tell you, I love this program. I'm so proud of it and everybody who teaches in it. Um, one of the things, in addition to what you shared, is we try to make this very practical. Um, we meet every other week online at night for two and a half hours, and we are not wasting your time. When you come to class, I am not lecturing you. Russell's not lecturing you. We are working through stuff. We are practicing. It's super interactive. At the end of two and a half hours, everybody is exhausted. <laughs> so this is sort of like an, I, would, I use the term, almost like an executive program, more than a, than a graduate program. Well, I mean, um, well, executive programs really? are graduate programs, but you're talking about people that are, are there, there are no classes, you have to do it by, uh, by Zoom? Oh, yeah. This program is 100% online. Okay. So you can be anywhere. We have people from California, New Jersey, all over. Okay. Well, the, the people in the regular MBA program, can they take these classes or not? Well, they could. If someone really wanted to have a healthcare minor, we've had one student do that. He was a PT, and he was like, oh, I really want to, you know, get these. And we've had a couple students ask, but honestly, most people, by the time they get into our MBA program, we have other, these would be their electives. We have other amazing electives that they want to take, and I teach digital marketing, and um, it's very hands-on, practical, um, so people want the electives instead of these, okay. but they could. Well, that's what, what I want to say how long ago it was, but at the time I was in the University of Chicago, they had the only, the only concentrate in hospital management, mm. and I think it was like five courses you took, so when you got your MBA, it was just a different way of doing it. You had to concentrate in in hospital management, but the idea was that you were going to try and go to work at Northwestern or someplace like that. Uh, so it's just a different way of doing it. I kind of right. like I kind of like your way better, to be honest with you. Uh, so who, who's your normal student, or is there such a thing? That is the other thing that's so great about this program, and why I love to teach it, and probably why Russell likes it too. Our students are from all over. We have pharmacists, uh, residents, uh, epidemiologists, practice managers. 
uh, sales reps, marketing people, IT people, uh, nurses, occupational therapists, uh, a chiropractor is starting in a week, um, and even somebody who manages the uh, labs for the IU School of Medicine. Okay, so, um, well, here's a here's a overridingly horrible question: When people come out of med school, do they the most of them even have like one class in finance or accounting or like zero? Zero. Zero. <laughs> so, and, and that is a, that is an absolute shame. I mean, I, I guess I'm going to say something. I mean, I'm from the south side, so I have to ask the question: Can they balance their checkbook for God's sake, <laughs> or not? It's kind of sketchy. I mean, my daughter is a resident in anesthesiology. I don't think she's ever balanced her checkbook, but, you know, <laughs> she still manages to keep her money in there. Well, thank, thank God for online and, you know, banking with it. They can just call it up and figure out how much money you have. But uh, So, yeah, so you're saying you are, you're starting from ground zero with a lot of people. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what is the curriculum? So we have... Um, uh, five interdisciplinary courses. So that's a little different. When you went to business school, right, you took accounting as a course, finance as a course, marketing as a course, uh, operations. And what we do is we smush these together. So you take a course that is um, finance and accounting. You take a course that is marketing and operations. We call it business management of the patient experience. You take a course that is uh, corporate strategy and innovation and you take a course that is managing people and leadership. And your last course is the best one, which <laughs> I'm gonna just pat myself on the back. I also teach. <laughs> oh, um, it's a consulting project. So we go to healthcare organizations and we say, hey, what project do you have that you have that needs you know, a business focus on it that you don't have time to do? How can we do it for you? And so our students are going into nonprofits, startups and healthcare, uh, systems and solving problems for them well uh, that's that's spectacular actually it, it, it's close to home because i took my first job out of grad school was with allied van lines of all places you think god the guy went, went to grad school to become a mover no <laughs> uh, I, I actually was able to the job was to go from uh independent agent to agent to try and help them with their agencies because the agents all had to be strong or the whole thing kind of fell apart and I learned a real lot doing it. I mean, I only did it for like a year, but I was going to stay there forever. But it was really interesting. If small business was my was my love, and uh, so I mean, what you're trying, what you're doing, I, I think this is this is really something. I, uh, I, but uh, just you know, so the people who are they, are, what percentage would you say are doctors or nurses that are in there? So our program is really not aimed at doctors because we have a, a whole MBA for them. Okay. And honestly, sometimes we have some hierarchical issues when doctors are in the classroom. So we really discourage physicians from this program. We encourage all other healthcare providers. Okay, so this is not designed for somebody to walk out of there and become uh, the C, uh, CFO of Northwestern or something. It's it's designed for, for smaller groups to learn business with, with their group and then and pick things up from there. So our most typical student, I was mentioning, I, we just interviewed a bunch of our alums. We have about 50 alums now. And uh, asked them, like, what got you here? And the bulk of them, honestly, got turned down for a promotion. And they were like, I need more education because I'm lacking and I feel frustrated. And so 
what we've been able to do is help them see the difference between where they were and where they need to be. And because they're applying what they learn to their job in every class, instead of having a final exam, they do projects, um, they're having a bigger impact, and then they're getting those promotions, sometimes during the program and sometimes just after the program. Is it, is it because the person picks up on stuff and they, they are, they've grown as a person? I guess, well, I'm not going to say this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, I, well, I hope that would be the end, but, it, but it's not the certificate they get. Um, if, some, if, you're, if you're having uh, an interview with somebody and the guy says, well, gee, you know, uh, you've got to brush up on your education, you pull that certificate out, I, is it starting to carry some weight, I guess is the question I'm, I'm dancing around here. Is it, I mean, it's not, it's not the same as a Stanford MBA, but is, right. wh- wh- where, where is it? I mean, if somebody, where somebody says, well, look, yeah, you, are, you do look like you're making a move, and by the way, I've heard about people who went to that program and it really helps, and yeah, I'll accept that. I mean, have you reached that stage, I guess is my question. I don't think we've reached that stage broadly, but individually, our students who are looking and changing um, organizations tell us that the having a certificate gives them something to talk about. So people point it out on their resume and say, oh, what is this? And they start to describe what they're doing, and then people, their employers, you know, look at it and say, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize you were that committed. You've taken the first step. That's great. Um, so it has been helping people get jobs, yes. Well, plus, I think individually... And I know from myself, even if it's something you you studied, <laughs> I won't say how many years ago, you never feel intimidated. They right. all they all of a sudden, even if they don't know the exact accounting system or cost system somebody's using, they've at least heard of it. They know the terms, and they don't feel intimidated. In my opinion, I mean, I guess that's what's happening. They say they tell us they feel more confident about what they're doing. You know, a couple when I uh, talked to you, <laughs> they're like. Yeah, you know what? I shouldn't have gotten that promotion. Once I took this program, I realized I really didn't know what I was talking about when I thought I wanted that job. Wow. <laughs> well, that's, that's terrific. Um, how, how, did, how did you even... Um, I mean, getting something like this to actually... F- nobody knows... Well, I mean, a lot of people... For you to get something like this off the ground in something that's like a, a bureaucratic organization... God's sake! You, you should go to Washington or something. I mean, so somebody actually gets something up and running in a in a, in a big bureaucracy. That that is such a feather in your cap. It's scary. I don't know if you well, ever thought of it that way, but yeah, thanks. I I do think I'm a bit of a paperwork whisperer. I think that's kind of what I've known at Kelly School. I don't know how I managed to do it. I just ask questions until people try to help me. Um, because first we created this, and you know it has with the university, public university, has to be approved all the way through our trustees. So it's a long process. But then we converted it to online. But I also managed to convert another certificate simultaneously to online. <laughs> so I go through the whole process again for another one. Um, and now we've got um, we just negotiated a, a DDS MBA with our dental school, and the students will take some of these classes. Wow. We already had an MD, MBA with the uh, medical school. We're now looking at some other dual degrees. We've got a dual degree with occupational therapy, um, trying to add PAs and um, nursing and um, PTs. So, yeah. Paperwork uh, is, uh, is my jam. Well, you know, just, <laughs> it, well, it's, it, there's a certain skill set to, to being nice but not taking no for an answer. And exactly, and obviously you have it, <laughs> which 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 is 
most people either piss everybody off and never get anywhere, or they give up. And there's only a few people that can manage to do neither. They don't piss everybody off, and they don't give up. Well, I'm not going to say I don't piss a few people off. But, well, that's, um, I mean, a few people deserve <laughs> to get pissed off. I have a question for you. Who teaches, I mean, I, I mean it's probably part of it, but I, just from the courses you, it seems like everybody I know who's a, a, you know, a doctor these days, it seems like half of their half of their day is, I was going to say say something nasty, but dealing with insurance companies back and forth and, 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 and with doctor groups and things like that. Um in the payment and all the different people you get paid and Medicare and Medicaid and all these different kinds of things. Do you guys teach any, or is that beyond the scope of any course to, to, to kind of go dabble into that area? Is, or is that something? Kim, that Kim I'm going to grab that one because I asked okay. my students about that specific topic last week. Uh, because And this came up before but without and it was limited in time. I'm not going to say why I came up before. But um, I, I brought it up. I said, should I be in corporate? Because I think my class would be the one, because it's the finance one, that, that that would be included in. And immediately they all said, uh, I, I had more than one person say, we deal with this on a day-to-day basis. There's probably very little that, that you could teach us about it. And, also, and it also varies from insurance company to insurance company, so it might be a difficult topic for us to, uh, to try to in- include in the program. I mean, when you get paid, those kinds of things, clearly it's a treasury function, I mean, which I'm sure you do yeah, teach it. Yeah, and when, when I teach, when I teach um, you know, running a practice, uh, you know, we, I show how, you know, when you deliver the services but you don't get paid for a while, how, much, how you need to have a certain amount of working capital just to keep things going. Um, so I do, I do address it from that standpoint, but not the, you know, that it takes 30, 60, 90 days to get reimbursed. And you're not going to get reimbursed on everything, uh, but not the actual specifics of, and I'll use polite terms as well, dealing with the insurance company. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I'm, as you can probably guess by now, I'm pretty, I'm kind of old school. I've, I've heard a lot of places, a lot of places, man, for the first I heard about it was a junior college group in Colorado that had different junior college like classrooms in every one of the, all the little the surrounding towns, and there was a, a main class and people came up like Hollywood squares. I'm kind of I'm a little surprised, although maybe not, that there isn't a central location where people actually do show up and people zoom in from from other places to there. How did how did you decide to have like no class? Well, you know Kelly has the um, number one online MBA program in the world, and we have been doing online MBA teaching for over 20 years. We were the first top tier business school to go online. So we've been innovating teaching techniques um, online, and uh, I, you know, I personally have been teaching online for 19 years. Um, so we just we just know how to do it. We just pick people who can create what feels like a live classroom, except everybody's virtual. It's kind of cool, I have to say. Well, how do, how do I sit in the back of the class and pester Russell by raising my hand and winging stuff at him? You, you can do that. I mean, but it's not actually literally, but, I mean, you can chat him. We've got chats open. We're asking questions. People are raising their hands. I mean, I do this really fun thing with my class where I want them to understand how difficult it is to create a high-quality process. So um, they get together in teams, and they give me the instructions for making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich following their instructions. And you have to imagine their instructions suck. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> you, you would think it's so easy to do. You to actually tell somebody how to do it, you probably can't even do it. It's like you can't do it. So I'm sitting there. I'm online. I've got my my bread. You know, always I start with a brand new loaf. No one ever thinks about how do you open a loaf of bread. You know, do I use the heel? Don't I use the heel? Do I take this heel out and I slap it around? And they start laughing. Um, yeah. God. So the the first the, somebody comes now. How many people when you do teach? How many? What's the size of the virtual class? I mean, uh, yeah, it's around twenty. We have between uh, I don't know eighteen and thirty. So at a time because we accept students every quarter. Okay. So this spring we've got nine new students. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so if we keep nine every quarter, you know, we'd be at 36 students in the class. But we, if we wanted to stay under 40, 40 would be the max we would do because we want that intimacy, and it's really hard for everybody to have a chance to talk if you have more than 40 people. Well, you know, it's, it's what I would, well, of course, here's who's showing my background. A sixth class, or maybe it wouldn't be the sixth, might be the tenth, uh, especially for people that own their own practice and have people that are in there, uh, God, you, a guy like Russell talking about how you do everybody's retirement plans and things like that would be really a plus for everybody. Oh yeah, Russell yeah, they actually they love it. <laughs> well, and they they actually when they said what should I add, that came up. Yeah, because I I just I last week was my last day uh, teaching in this program for that quarter. That's why I keep referring to those, those discussions because it was it was our last class, and I asked a few questions like that before we got going. Well, that's, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of, I like, so what percentage, you said most people just get this, I won't say just get, get the certificate and then a significant portion use those credits to, to enter the MBA program and then they need another, you say 11 classes to get the full MBA? Well, they need eight, right? 13, they get five. 13 classes, yeah. yeah. So your, your MBA is 13 classes, not the draconian 20 like the University of Chicago. Yeah, I, I think I did the math on that wrong. <laughs> and I, and she, she, I, I don't, can't do math. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think Chicago is 20 classes anymore. I think it it's is. Eight, it it's is 18. Good. It's 18. Yeah. So they have 13 left. Yeah. yeah. yeah so between say, 18 and 20 is pretty normal, or 17 to 20. So 18 is our total. They have five. They have 13 left. Well, I think I know it's 20, and I also know that one class now costs more than my entire two years when I was there. Well, what's nice about this program is we've priced it to be appropriate to the audience. So it's one of the cheaper programs you could take at Kelly. So it's just $720 a credit hour. So each class is, you know, right around $2,100. Okay, so you're, 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 so the, the total cost of the deal is ten grand, roughly. All in with fees and books and everything is twelve five. That's, well, yeah. that's not bad. No, it's and not then, bad. Then it's applicable toward the, the, uh, the rest of the program? I, I, I'm surprised you guys aren't overrun. How, how well known is it? Well, you know, that's a challenge. Um, we, yeah, it's hard to make people aware. Uh, we've done pay-per-click advertising for years. But what we really see um, works effectively is going to conferences. And we didn't have conferences very well for the last couple of years. And this year, we're now back out. We're trying to go to where the nurses are, where the pharmacists are, where the dentists are, where the occupational therapy folks are, and, you know, get to know them. We also host uh, monthly webinars uh, about a business topic that help people, you know, see like, all right, how can we apply business to healthcare? And those are pretty well attended. Um, but yeah, we could spend a lot more money on advertising. <laughs> it would be well, helpful. Just the, <laughs> the idea of, of somebody. I mean, people who go to 
law school, I mean, I don't have a family, unfortunately. I mean, I probably should have. I mean, maybe they'd be taking care of me when I was older. Who knows? But uh, you see the people who every night go to law school and have a family and have a job and how what an incredible undertaking that is. You also give give people the idea, okay, it's five classes, even if it really is a, is a problem time-wise. It doesn't sound like it really is. Uh, it, you know what? I can do this, and if it turns out it works out all right, then I can go onward. It's not like signing up for 18 classes. It's it's a way for somebody to get partially the way in. And it, to me, it's that's a spectacular idea, just a great way of doing it. I mean, instead of somebody saying, I'm, I'm committing to five years of law school at night, oh, God. You know, by that time, the wife, the wife hates you, the kid hates you, everybody hates you. You're not home, and by the way, you don't like yourself anymore. This, I think the way you guys are doing it is spectacular, and I'm really glad you came on, and I'd love to have you back again. You know, you, 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 you kind of uh, tone Russell down a little bit. Is that fair to say, Russell? I've been, I've behaved. He's behaved. <laughs> well, I think I'm stealing Russell's thunder, so I think it's really going to be a chance for Russell to talk more because he it does so much for the program, and his class is so important. They need that financial backing to do everything else, so we really appreciate all that he does to the program. Well, he is the best, and thank you very much for coming okay. on. I hope to have you on again. SP Futures down 17, NASDAQ Futures down 45. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 20,000 francs says it isn't. Is that a serious offer? I just paid out 20. I'd like to get it back. Make it 10. I'm only a poor corrupt official.